Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two fantastic co-hosts. I just realized I'm using the voice I used when I DJed in college. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, my co-hosts are Liz Harper, uh, the editor-in-chief and overall Grand High Poobah of the site. Hi, Liz. Howdy. And also with us is Joe Perez, who is, I mean, he just writes whatever he feels like. Uh, ultimately, he, he writes articles about how you should use the deck of many things. I did. That was actually really a lot of fun to write. <laughs> and then people use the deck of many things. I was very like, happy oh, to God, see no. you pull it out. I was like, and then I was like, oh, this is a this is a hell of my own making. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that comes back. Mitch, Mitch kind of sidetracked me there with his decision to talk to, you know, the the force of ultimate destruction. But you sure, should hey. listen. You should listen to the latest episode of the Blizzard Watch Plays podcast. Yeah, it's 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 really oh. out there. Or you can read the post I wrote on the site today about it. But anyway. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about various things. There's some some serious things on the, the Activision Blizzard front we should talk about. I'm going to talk about them first because they're, quite frankly, they're a bit of a downer, and I'd like to get the downers out of the way before we can talk about fun stuff. Um, first up, uh, Activision Blizzard has done nothing to address their workers' demands. And the like at this point, how many days has it been? 40 days? 50. 50? Yeah. 50 okay. yeah 50 50 days days, today, okay. I think. so um i guess they, they felt like nothing was going to come of it or something i'm not sure what they thought but the the national labor relations board which is you know it's a federal agency here um has basically they're they're being sued you know the suit has been filed with the nlrb claiming that they're they're engaged in intimidation and suppression you know in suppression tactics on their own workers trying to keep them from discussing things uh specifically the forced arbitration clauses in contracts uh this is a big deal because it is essentially if they are found you know if they, if they're judged against in this case it not only will it be financially bad for them but it will set the precedent that they have been engaged in you know flat out illegal uh strong arm tactics against their own workers it's it's a it, this is a big deal um do either of you want to talk about it before we move on to talking about the other thing that they did today um both of the yeah, things i, I want mean, to talk about are tied up with this i'm gonna let liz go so i mean they've been specifically accused of uh coercive rules, coercive statements, interrogation, and coercive actions against their employees. And the thing is, some of this was in the expanded lawsuit from the state of California, um, which said things like that they were telling their employees to file their complaints with this legal firm they have. And then when the state of California came in asking for a list of employee complaints, they were like, nope, sorry, we were talking about something between us and our lawyers. So they're just going out of their way to crush information and prevent their employees from talking to people. Did, and you you guys, know, did you guys see it play out in real time with the a group of like their employees getting random cold calls or, or emails from uh, HR asking to have a casual sit down conversation. And then the minute the employees were saying, should I have a lawyer present with me or somebody to witness it? All of a sudden they stopped responding. Like there's some, and like you can see it play out in like real time. It is, there's some shady, shady. This is also, these are tactics we're seeing from other companies and it's, uh, like Amazon recently went through, I say recently, but they were doing a big kind of, there was a push to unionize and they were coming down hard against this. In fact, consulting with the same legal firm, Activision yeah. Blizzard is now consulting for this. Yeah, Wilmer. And Hill. yeah, so it seems bad, but it also doesn't seem 
unusual because companies do try to quiet dissent and maybe they don't want to change as much as they want people to stop talking about it. And this is just, uh, I mean, that's how it reads to me. They just, they want this to be quiet and go away and to keep their employees from talking and complaining, uh, but it keeps getting bigger. And I mean, I'm surprised to see this lawsuit filed because this stuff happens at a lot of companies and you usually do not see this level of legal action. No, uh, I think it is definitely a case where um, this this part, we've basically have had years and years of this and people have allowed it because, you know, either they felt they didn't have the power to stop it. They were afraid for their own employment. There's lots of reasons, but we're at the point where people are fed up. And they're just simply, when they feel they're not having their issues addressed, especially after years now, we're going to see more and more of this, I think. But we should talk about the other news from Blizzard, which is, you know, Activision Blizzard, not Blizzard itself. Um, I I hate that they put Activision Blizzard as their name, because then every time you say it, you know, you think, oh, Blizzard, but this is the the, the Bobby Kotick-led corporate leadership. This is not the company in Irvine anymore. Uh, But regardless, uh, Activision Blizzard hired two new people today actually i guess they didn't hire them today that they announced it they today. announced it right around yeah. the same time as this the the announcement of the lawsuit against them in, in the nlrb so uh you're going to hear lots of conspiracy theories about that uh i don't know i can't attest to you know if it's normal that you would announce a big hire like that or not um i i simply am not expert in it but it is interesting uh one of the two employees is a longtime disney employee something like 30 years if i'm not 32 mistaken. years 32 yeah. Yeah, and uh, the other I don't remember. Um, the other one was a uh, that we, excuse me, I can't talk today. Uh, Sandeep Dubey uh, was a corporate a strategist for Delta. Okay, I, I was expecting you guys to talk more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have some very strong opinions about this stuff. Um, maybe some of it may seem a little more cynical, just because my experience with sea level stuff is a little different. I guess. Um, I think that announcing it was not aimed at assuaging like us as far as people, but a public statement to try to get the, you know, board of directors and shareholders to kind of see they're making moves and trying to make moves in the right direction. Um, And going back to the first point, like I think it feeds into the, what Liz said is that a lot of times we don't hear about this stuff because people expect it to go quiet uh, and it to go away and because it's continuing to be loud and present and people are continuing to talk about it, partially thanks to the weird crush and explosion of social media, which I never thought I would say thank you to that, um, it keeps putting pressure on specifically the board of directors to want to make those changes so that it does go away. Um, because then when it goes away, then they can go back to making money. And it's... Uh, this is the practicality of it, right? And the louder it stays around and the more that it stays vocal, the more likely you are to get those changes if for nothing else the board of directors wants to go back to printing money. Um, and legitimately with these two hires, I'm not saying that they're bad hires. These people have great track records at the companies that they're at, um, but also the cynical and cynic in me is also looking at, you know, you know, Liz pointed out, I think in work chat at one point, Disney's not exactly known for paying their their base level employees exactly high wages. You know, they, there's always that that little red tape around it or that little that little mire that hangs over it. Um, Delta is an airline company. Uh, They're not exactly known for their humanitarian causes. This person from Disney has specifically uh, worked with their parks and resorts team. Yeah. And 
people who work in the parks, they get paid really poorly. They are working there because they love Disney. And because they get the same people. They're not making good money. And that's actually kind of similar to video game companies. Like you want to work at a video game company because you love video games. This is so cool and exciting. And maybe they aren't giving you a lot of money, but I'm going to work at a video game company. And that's kind of, that's a similar attitude you get with kind of Disney. And so I'm a little wary of that, but you know, this is a press release. I, I'm waiting to to read too far into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But as long as we keep it in the news cycle, and I know some people are probably tired of hearing about it, but it's kind of our job and our responsibility to keep talking about it and talking about it as painful and as an, and for some people as annoying as it is, does help. And I brought this up a little bit earlier when I was talking about it. People forget that the same thing happened with Riot. It's one of those things that's real easy to forget about because once it started getting to the lawsuit phase, it fell out of the news cycle. And a lot of people don't actually know what happened then unless you really looked into it. It wasn't exactly there was a big fanfare about it. And it's really if you're not really keeping up on it, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they've changed. They're not exactly, you know, super public about a lot of that stuff. And that suits that type of thing. And I'm not saying I'm not just trying to single out Riot, but it's the most recent one that I can really think of. Oh, I can think of one. Ubisoft. Ubisoft is yeah, Ubisoft as well. Ubisoft actually Ubisoft had a scandal last year. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that they're grateful for coronavirus, but they probably at least owe the COVID pandemic a bit of credit for sweeping a lot of their stuff under the rug because multiple people at extremely high positions of the company were either fired or gently encouraged to leave for harassment and misogyny, like at, at a level that none of the blizzard allegations even come close. Yeah. I mean, one guy who was the, you know, creative developer on the Assassin's Creed franchise had to quit because he was using his job to pick up chicks and telling them that he wasn't married, which is, you know, teetering close to rape by deception, guys, by the way. Uh, If you ever do things like that, don't do that. Don't do that. It is very bad. And that's just what we know about. And there were like literally 25% of Ubisoft employees report witnessing or experiencing sexual harassment or other forms of harassment at Ubisoft. 25%. And that's in an informal internal poll that they did. And that, you know, if they're a large company too, don't forget that. (laughs) Yeah, but also. It's a poll the company is doing, so people who are afraid of a reprisal at the company are not going to fill out a freaking survey. Yeah. So when when you hear 25% from that survey, think 50%. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about. It, it, there's a, The reason we're bringing this stuff up, the reason we're talking about it, isn't because we love talking about it. It's because this kind of stuff has been going on for decades and it goes on everywhere. It goes on throughout our society. It goes on in every industry. We know that. But this is the industry that we're involved in talking about. And this is the company that we're involved in talking about. It would seem ridiculous if we didn't mention it. And again, staying loud about it and talking about it and keeping it as part of the conversation does nothing but help to try to work to fix it because it makes sure that people know that it's not just going away. And they silence is how that stuff is perpetuated it's how it's always been perpetuated we talk about this a lot so i again, think i heard liz trying to talk there so i want to make sure that you get to say anything no no i was just gonna say what joe just said so oh i apologize i'm sorry no no you said the silence is what allows this to continue that's that's i am also tired of talking about this like 
so tired, but uh, ignoring this or not writing about it, not talking about it because it's boring, because it's not fun, it's not exciting, that is exactly what lets it keep going. So uh, we got to keep talking about it. Yeah, and I do want to mention also the names of the people hired are Julia Hodges, she's going to be the chief people officer, and Sandeep Dubey, who's going to be the uh, chief commercial officer. I'm not entirely sure what a chief commercial officer does, uh, market, right up front. Market research, market penetration, and does uh, bringing, bringing items to market in various places. They're basically... I gotta say... Sorry, uh, I know we there are a lot of, no, 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 that's fine. There's like <laughs> a lot of terms we used in, in corporate speak that are terrible like human capital and so forth yeah but i think market penetration is one of the ones that really squicks me out the hardest (laughs) you're you're not wrong but anyway uh to to now move on to stuff that isn't making my skin crawl uh there's some changes coming to torghast in patch 9.1.5 basically they're they're taking away the cap that kept you from getting full soul ash and soul cinders when you did a run again. Like you've the first one, you got your full amount, but every run after that, you got much less or none in some cases. And now that's you just every time you clear a Torghast, you know, you, you'll get the same amount of soul ash and soul cinders for a full clear, which is great. And they're also, I think they're buffing like this, the soul ash and soul cinders from others from like quests and world quests and so forth. Good. Uh, yeah, so from all sources, I think are getting yeah. a little buff. So it'll be significantly easier if you're working on like a, a different legendary for another thing. Like, yeah, repeated clears, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the same. But yeah, you didn't get any soul cinders after the you completed the wing the first time. You didn't get any soul cinders for the next clear. Now you do get them. So you can get your much, much more soul cinders much faster. And they're significantly increasing the amount of soul cinders awarded from layers 8 through 12, Maw Assaults, Torments of Torghast, Tormentors of Torghast, and Command Table Missions. So you'll be able to get a lot more soul cinders, which means getting like levels five and six on your uh, on your uh, legendaries will be easier, and you'll be easy be able to get much more soul ash. Which, combined with the fact that you'll be able to tra- you know transfer soul ash from your alts, uh, will will make it easier to get like the next step of a legendary if you're working on that sort of thing. It's it's a pretty good change. Um, I gotta feel sometimes like this entire system of legendaries has gotten kind of nuts, like. We're up to rank six. Is this is rank six going to be the end, or are we going to have rank seven and eight when the next tier of rating comes out? And are they going to have to do something like this for that as well? I don't know, but I am pointing out that it exists. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Change good. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. I think it's a good change. I mean, basically, it feels like a catch-up mechanism. It's like so the game has been out for this many months, and it's gonna we're at least two months from nine one five going live, in my opinion, like minimally. So like it's this it's long enough from launch that they can dial down some of these, you know, requirements and make it a little easier to get into it. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially since we really don't know when nine two will even be on our radar. Yeah. So keep in mind that when nine when nine one five comes out, it's probably gonna be late October, early November. There is no chance nine two is coming out in twenty twenty one. So you're probably looking at no, early 2022. Zero. So yeah, there's there's going to need to be a lot of changes like that to allow people to catch up before 9.2 comes out. I'm, I'm sitting here standing on a, uh, an orc that I've decided to level up because I want to try and see the, the horde side of things more. Uh, I'm going to actually get to see the horde side of Battle for Azeroth, but also I wanted to see what, you know, what it's like to play on horde side just in general. And I'm going to need to catch up on a lot of stuff because I've not been playing this character. So yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of room for that. 
Uh, the last thing we want to talk about, it, it, it's kind of a retread of something we talked about a couple weeks ago, but it kind of isn't because I wanted to talk about, um, we had a post from Phil uh, about mercenary mode and how it's going to, what it's going to cost and how people are discussing it. I didn't necessarily want to talk about that. I just wanted, but I seeing it made me think of it. The fact that mercenaries mode, as far as I can tell, it is a completely different game. We should clarify at this point that this is a new game mode in Hearthstone. Yeah, but it isn't a game mode. Like it, yeah. it is, it is a different game. You, you're not playing cards anymore. It's not a card game. It's I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's not a card game. Uh, I mean, you're completely right, and I think that's kind of a mistake they've made with Mercenary Mode because it's a completely different game. I mean, it's it's had its own development cycle. It's totally different. There are no cards. Yeah, that's what gets me wondering. It's a card game without cards. Yeah. It has me wondering, though, like, is this a sign that Hearthstone is no longer just a game that they've made and is now actually a brand? Like, they're going to have different games that say Hearthstone on them? Is it like the the Blizzard label, and and the other thing is, is like it's not just limited to, to WoW anymore. Like there's Diablo characters coming in to Mercenary mode. So far, we have one Diablo character which is available. Diablo will be like a mercenary you can play. I think that's available through a specific bundle pack you pre-purchase. I I have no idea if Diablo is going to be available long term or if this is just some sort of like cross intro thing. Yeah, is this just an early promotion? I don't know. Or is this going to become like Heroes of the Storm, where everything is fair game? We don't know. Yeah, it it just keeps feeling to me like they're reverse engineering. Like, we want to keep doing something like Heroes of the Storm, but but we don't want to put development time into that. So we're going to make every other, like, kind of make this other game kind of like Heroes of the Storm to see if we can get it through that way. I I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, I, I. I don't I think, know what you think about like if this means they're going to do other weird modes that don't involve cards in Hearthstone or not. I mean, I definitely think they're going to keep expanding the modes available over the long term because now Hearthstone kind of has three main gameplay modes. They're standard, which is your like this is your card game, and in the they recently re redid the main menu for Hearthstone. And if you want to play the standard card game, that's the button at the top that says Hearthstone. And then there's a button for mercenaries. And then there's like a button for other stuff. Um, so yeah, it does feel like it's a little bit more of a platform right now rather than like a single game because there's the standard Hearthstone experience where you collect cards. There's Battlegrounds, which is like, I mean, the whole thing is free to play, but Battlegrounds is like all of the purchases are like super, super optional. You can jump in without buying anything, without building a deck without doing anything you just jump in and play it's kind of it's an auto battler where you build your board as you go and you just you fight and you can just keep doing it no money it's just you hang out and have fun but even in that mode there are cards like as you play you buy minions and you put them down on the board and not buy with money you just have a certain amount of currency in the game that you can use to buy and trade things and all of that um but yeah, mercenaries is like you have these mercenary heroes and you level them up and you can act, give them gear and you can level the gear and you create teams of mercenaries and you have like your frontline fighters and you kind of have your extras that you can swap in if one gets hurt or one gets killed and you kind of go through this little randomly generated, uh, these randomly generated levels where they encounter different bosses or different stuff. Um, 
it's really different and there aren't cards you collect mercenaries but it's not it's not a card game anymore you're you get these mercenary heroes and you level them and you improve them it's much more of an rpg yeah that's what it, it keeps feeling like they took some like some lessons from jrpgs or um like fire emblem type games it, it kind of feels like they're like borrowing from those kind of things and yeah it's just it fascinates me because i'm wondering like what's next they're going to put out like they're going to put out a 4x game they're going to do it in Hearthstone, Hearthstone Civ 4 or whatever. It's like, what? Why are we, why am I playing this? And it's, it's not just, it's not just Hearthstone, but this is a kind of a deviation away from Blizzard. So I'm not going to talk about too much, but like one of the games I'm playing right now is Wrath of the Righteous, the, uh, the Pathfinder CRPG. And in the middle of it is this army management game that is very much Heroes of Might and Magic. And I'm like, is that just what games are going to be now? Like every game is just going to have weird other games inside it that you can play while you play those games. Cause wow has actually been doing that for a while with the mission table. And it's, it's gotten to the point where the mission table is inching its way towards being similar to what you're talking about with mercenary mode inside world of Warcraft. Like you, you play this game on your character. Like I'm playing a game and my character in the game is playing a game. It's, it's getting kind of inception. So I just wanted to talk about that for a bit. I mean, should we talk a little bit about Phil's point in the post, which is nah, that I think we Hearthstone is it. getting really expensive? <laughs> yeah, well, I think we, no, I think we we have covered that in the past. I honestly think we've talked about, it. but it is true that if you want to be like playing Hearthstone like the main game, yeah, it, it, it gets pretty expensive. And Mercenary Mode looks like it's going to get pretty expensive too. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, I mean, well, the thing is there will be packs where you can get mercenaries out of. So you have to like buy these things, but it's also free to play. So I think none of us really know right now what the balance is. Yeah. Like how like, much is this going to be whale driven? Yeah. Yeah. It, like when you're playing the standard Hearthstone experience, you, I mean, we know what that is. You can play without spending money, but you do a lot better if you spend money to buy some. Packs. Um, so we don't know what kind of balance that's going to have. I think that's, uh, pretty worrying. I mean, it feels to me like it's going to be just like the standard Hearthstone mode where you have to buy some things to kind of stay competitive and keep having fun. And um, it's priced the same as the standard game mode. So that if you're playing the standard game mode and now all of a sudden you're playing Mercenaries, you could wind up spending twice as much money. And that could be a lot of money. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think that we'll pretty see. much covers that. Yeah. But at this point, we're going to move on to doing some of them their emails. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com uh, with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch. So we know it's for this show and not the other two podcasts we do. We're doing a lot of podcasts, guys. Help us out a little bit here and just, just tell us which one is for. Because, I mean, Joe like has these like sandwiches he gives me, and I eat them because they're delicious, but they're usually drugged, and then I wake up in Panama. I, I take umbrage with this this analogy, sir. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to be, you don't like casting myself as ba baracus you want to be ba baracus but Let's at any rate <laughs> yeah at any rate yeah if you, you can send it to us there or um we have discord you can go to our patron q and podcast questions channel if you're a patron uh and, and ask it there or you can go to the q questions channel which you know sometimes people ask questions there and we take them from there uh this week we got a kind of mix a couple of emails a couple of questions from discord uh, I've been making Liz answer, read them and answer them first, so we're going to go with Joe this time, just to be fair. Oh, okay. 
Uh, well, then, our first one comes from Adele for the podcast. Just watching Loki's series from Disney Plus here and thinking, which minor character or plot from WoW would make a really good one-season live-action TV series if it had Disney Marvel-level budget? Um, uh, okay, I'm going to just jump in with mine. F- yeah, go ahead, because I feel like we get asked this a lot. Flynn Fairwind and Matthias Shaw as the, kind of like the the romantic comedy duo slash Bucky and Falcon slash Bucky and Captain America type that kind of show where the two of them are like sniping, but every so often they, they have steamy makeouts. I'm thinking that I'm like right there on that one. Let's do that show. I mean, I'm down. Padilla and chat I mean, says man watch it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think we'd all watch it. I, you know, who doesn't like watching you know, Han Solo and James Bond go on, go on dates. I think it would be pretty cool. I mean, the- um, I'm going to say, I think my expected answer and I'm going to say it, Chromie. Give us a series about Chromie time traveling to all sorts of cool places and setting right what once went wrong. And you see where I'm going here. A quantum leap with Chromie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally down with that idea. I, I, this, I especially like this series. I'm, I'm imagining Nos Dormu as her Al. <laughs> especially because then you get Martin Sheen to come back and play him. Oh. That would be so cool. Martin Sheen does the voice. This has to be animated because there's no way Martin Sheen's going to wear elf ears. But, you know, <laughs> get Martin Sheen to come back and they go, Chromie, you've got to set right what went wrong. I thought we didn't do that. Yeah, well, whatever. It's a show. Go. <laughs> and he- here you have to make hey. sure that Thrall and Jaina never tongue kiss. Maybe we could do a uh, maybe we could do an odd couple thing, too, with like the ghost of uh, Medivh and Khadgar in, you know, inside of Karazhan, where like one's the super messy wild card and the other one is the super neat, like straight laced fellow. We could do we could do something like that, I think. We save her for York. She's talking about Chromie, man. You got it. You're going to come up time. <laughs> no, that's I, I've I've covered my Chromie thing. So, yeah, I've, okay, I've now let's, a, a... let's talk about the medieval Khadgar thing. Uh, who who's who, who's who? I, I think Medivh's the messy one. Like hmm. I, I I think he is he is the uh, the Felix to the Oscar in that relationship. One hundred percent. You think? Wait, no, no. Oscar is the messy one. Was it Felix Oscar? The, I thought it was Felix was the messy one. No, Felix is the is the neat one. He's okay, the one playing so the Jack Lemon. Okay, so then definitely the the other way around. So like, yeah, he Medivh is definitely the messy one. Like, what do you mean you picked up everything from the floor? I knew exactly where everything was. Like, I could I could totally see that being a thing. Why is my dead father in a room over there? Oh no, he's my—he's my dead father. Never mind, he's not your dead father. I apologize. Your dead father's over there. You killed my dad. I keep remembering the scene of Medivh and Cadgar in the movie. <laughs> you know, the, the movie Medivh, man, he—he he melted down real fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't Cadgar at one point ask us to bring him some guy's arm, and you hand it to him, and he's like, "Ooh, gross," and he like literally throws it away in front of you? I mean, I'm not sure if Cadgar would be the neat one. That's a good point. Cadgar's also the one who's like, bring me his skull for reasons. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. I don't know. I, think you need to, I don't think you can just keep this to the, the odd couple. I think you need to steal from a lot of comedies. Like, because I'm thinking the Cadgar and Medivh living together, sure, that's all odd couple. But I definitely think Gul'dan has to be in this show as the guy that, that Cadgar <laughs> really hates. And he's like, our, our Gul'dan is like the annoying neighbor who just comes over sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like literally like from the old Seinfeld with like Newman. It would be Gul'dan. <laughs> hey, no, neighborinos. I, I can't help but notice you're <sighs> over here doing some magic. I'm just wondering if you happen to know where the body of an old Titan happens to be kept. I'm just saying. Get out, Gul'dan. 
All right, I'll be back later trying to get that information. Take it easy, my friends. I don't know why he talks like that, but <laughs> quite frankly, I think Gul'dan would be more fun if he was a little more casual about things instead of constantly going, drink it. But oh yeah, he will constantly show up trying to get him to drink stuff. Look, I got this stuff. You want to drink it? No, no one wants to drink your weird punch, Gul'dan. All right, <laughs> more for me, baby. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think we should get, get to get Gul'dan in this thing. Quite frankly, I think Gul'dan makes everything better. Well, no, no, that's not true I was going to say, that is that is a very, <laughs> very not true statement. Gul'dan makes everything better. That's a statement he might make, but it definitely Gul'dan makes true. everything more interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's, better. That is true. That is true. My Little Ponies, Friendship is Madness with special guest Gul'dan. <laughs> Friendship is Madness. Yep, I like that. Oh, I mean, that's... would Gul'dan also be a pony? That's the real question. There, oh, that's a good point. He might uh, take the, there, there is, there is, there is internet art to back this up. If not, there should be. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining the various Gul'dan crossovers. It's like that episode of Scooby Doo. Actually, it wasn't Scooby Doo. It was Supernatural. But they met Scooby Doo. There's actually an episode of Supernatural that where the two of them go into the cartoon and hang out with the Scooby Gang. And I'm just imagining Gul'dan hanging out with the Scooby Gang now. <laughs> Except, of course, it's, like all, it's Varian Rin. Not, not Varian Rin. It's uh, Anduin Rin and Gen Greymane as Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Taronda and Jaina are Velma and Daphne. Uh, I'm not sure who Fred is. Quite frankly, I can't think of anybody who's sufficiently meat-headed to be Fred. But yeah, I, I definitely think that would be fun. Anyway, I think we, move on to the next I think we should move on. So, Liz, you're up. <laughs> I mean, we could keep coming up with hilarious TV shows for... An entire hour, but, um, okay. Next question. Hey, you guys. So, in the monster at the end of this book, it turned out that the monster at the end of the book was not who Grover expected it to be. What if that's what's going on with the Jailer and Sylvanas? Question from, oh, I don't actually see a name on this one. Never mind that part. Um, I, I, do I don't understand. Blizzard... Can, can, I don't yeah, understand this there... question. Because the monster at the end of the book was, the monster was Grover. I mean, yeah, okay, spoilers. So, the book's been out since the 1980s. <laughs> oh my god, Matt! I I, I have no story? idea what is even going on anymore. I'm just I'm just here for this. No, you've been writing the monster at the end of this book. No. Oh my god, it's amazing. I it's just, I am aware yeah, that it is a children's book, but it has never been in my presence. Well, that's unfortunate. You should go look that up. It's online. You can find it. Basically, the entire book monster, you know, the cover is the, the cover is, you know, says the monster at the end of this book and Grover's on the cover going, what? And then you open it in the first page. Grover's like, did you read that cover? It says there's a monster at the end of this book. I don't think you should keep reading it. And then you flip the page and Grover's like, no, what did you just do? You turned the page. Now we're even closer to the monster at the end of this book. And then throughout the book, like he's trying to stop you from turning pages. Like he builds a brick wall to try and stop you from turning a page. And then he like when you when you turn the page anyway, he's laying in the rubble going, do you know that you're very strong? And at the very end of the book, he's like, no, no, don't turn the page. It's the monster's going to be here. The monster's going to be here. And he turned the page and he's like, wait a minute. It's just me here. Am I the monster? This is the end of this book. Oh, I was so you were so scared and it was for nothing. It's, it's a great book, but I don't understand how it's got anything to do with what's going on with Sylvanas and the jailer. Me but, either. <laughs> I do think Blizzard is a fan of Mr. X, certainly. Yeah. And we've had a few expansions where it's like we're going we're going this way, we're going this way, we're going this way, and we like kill the person we think is the big bad and like the point two patch and then the point three patch goes off in some random wacky direction that we never expect. Uh like last time we kinda went through the story and then suddenly Nazoth 
It's all this year. Great. I would, li- I would like it noted um, that I was still correct about that one. Just going to throw that out there. Yes. <laughs> okay, so maybe not completely <laughs> unexpected, but it like. Well, I mean, if you look at that, it takes, it I just, takes I, a right turn. I just, I just one hundred percent expect the M Night Shyamalan ending every single time. Is what it boils well, down back, to. Go back to Legion, though. I mean, it, it kind of like our best buddy Goldon when he showed up in nine point one, and we were all super excited to see him. But like, you would have kind of thought Goldon would be a major presence in this expansion. Not, I get beaten in the point one patch, and that's what happened. Goldon gets beaten in the one point one patch, and then point two is Tomb of Sargeras where we beat Kill Jaden. Again, you might think Kill Jaden is going to be the big boss, and he's not. And so we we beat Kill Jaden, and now we go to Argus. So we're thinking, okay, it's going to be Sargeras at the end, right? And it kind of is, but we don't fight him, and he's not really beaten. He's just sort of locked up. So later on, he can come back and be the villain in a new expansion or something. So that all happens in Legion. And then Battle for Azeroth kind of follows a very similar formula yeah. in terms of, like, you know, in point one, you know, we're fighting, I think it like the point one patch, we're actually fighting each other. And then in the point two patch, we fight Ashara and it's looking like Ashara is going to be the big deal. But then we beat Ashara, which actually makes things worse because it's what they wanted. And it, it opens the, the big lock and now Nazoth is out. And so at least we actually fight Nazoth at the end, unlike in, you know, Legion where we don't fight Sargeras. But then you look at Shadowlands so far and the, Point one patch, we beat Sylvanas just like we beat Gul'dan in, in the point one patch in Legion, and not but she's not dead, so we're probably going to see her again. So it's got shades of of Battle for Azeroth where we like we beat we beat Jaina and uh, Gelb- Geblin, and yet they're still around and nothing really changed, and we see them again. And we don't know what the point two patch is going to be at all, and we don't know if there's a patch beyond point two. We don't know if we're going to get to the point two patch, and then there's still like half an expansion left to go. Uh, we really have no idea, but it does feel like it's going that way. So I, I, but I still don't really understand. Like, do, do you mean that at the end, Sylvanas will be like, "Oh, I was so afraid about death, and it turned out it wasn't. It was just me the whole time." Like, I, I'm not. Or the the jailer is going to be like, you know, I was trying to remake the world, but it turned out that I need just needed to be remade myself. No, Joel, I, Zolval I will know. take off his mask, and it'll be old man Jenkins. It's that's just how this out. It's fine. If that's not the end of the. He's going to take out. He's going to take off his mask and actually be Grover. <laughs> you were so scared. <laughs> Aren't you silly? Anyway, uh, do you guys want to count? Want to count to twelve? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everyone's <laughs> like, "Can we stab him yet?" Like, I, I don't. When does the loot fall out? <laughs> uh. All right. I don't know how to answer that. So I think we're good to move on. Question mark. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much more to say about the yeah. the the idea of Zolval as the monster at the end of this book. I, I don't, I'm not still not sure what you're talking about. All right. Well, our next one comes from Tetsemi. Uh, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast: Are allied races basically the Unearth Arcana for D and D, but for WoW? And if so, what other UA type expansions of the core would you like to see in WoW? I think the the like the heroic classes are probably more like that than the allied races, yeah. Or at least in terms of like power scale with what our Unearth Arcana does. It depends. There's been you there have been UAs that are literally just here's a bunch of new races. Um so or I, new racial I, abilities or Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get I get where he's coming from on that. Uh the problem is is like, you know, when you do that when you say this kind of thing, you have to clarify which unearthed arcana you're talking about. There's a lot. Yeah, like the original unearthed arcana from A D and D was definitely an expansion pack, not, you know, it's not like what you're talking about. It was literally like, 
here's all new stuff for D&D that you can do instead of the stuff you were already doing. Um, whereas I think like in the case of UA now, it's playtest material. And it, it ultimately yeah. ends up, you know, some of it gets into the main game, some of it doesn't. Uh, so it would, in a way, be more like a, it's like a PTR patch, really. Uh, they they're put they put it out there, they test it, and if it works out and they like it, they put it into the main game. I don't know if I'd consider Allied Races to be that. But I do think that UA, I, I have my feelings about how Allied Races worked out. But hmm, it is interesting to think about it. I think, honestly, I'd love it if World of Warcraft got a Theros. I'll just say it. Um, Theros, they originally tested it on, on Earth Arcana. I liked the idea of a completely unrelated setting. I'd love it if World of Warcraft had us just go to a place that isn't Azeroth, that isn't Draenor, it isn't any place we've ever heard of or seen before. There's all new stuff there, and it doesn't, you know, it has nothing to do with Titans or old gods, and we've literally seen nothing we've seen before. Like just all new things. This entire expansion is new, new stuff, and it could be new stuff that maybe later on gets expanded and fleshed out, and maybe not. Maybe we never go back there, but something new because that's the thing that D and D has in spades that WoW has really stopped having. Um, and I really think after Mists of Pandaria, we started getting on this nostalgia kick. Uh, Shadowlands actually, at least that's one of the, the main advantage of Shadowlands for me is that it, it breaks the mold. It gives us new stuff that we hadn't seen before, but it is stuff we'd seen before. Just very much hadn't seen much of it. I want like completely new stuff. I don't want to go to a place that looks like Scourge 2.0 or, you know, Hey, look, it's, it's like night elf lands, but even bluer. Uh, that's, that's my one big problem with like two of the four Shadowlands zones is they look basically like stuff I'd already seen, just more extreme. Like Maldraxxus feels very much like, hey, did you like Undercity? Well, here's that if it was like if it was taking crystal meth and listening to death metal. Um, do you like night elf aesthetics? Well, here's an entire zone that's basically night elf aesthetics. <laughs> and and that's I mean, it's cool. I love Ardenwald. I think it's it, I still think that I'm I'm glad I went night fave for my my elf. I think it really worked very well together. But at the same time, does doesn't feel different. You know, I think only um, Revendreth and Bastion have a lot of I feel different about them. And even then, it's like Bastion is wheat fields and angels, uh, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I see that a lot, but it's it's not indescribable or anything. And Revendreth is very much, you know, your goth phase. It's like hot topic of the zone. <laughs> so I would I'd like to see that kind of thing come in. Uh, I'd like to see more completely out there stuff like, hey, now we're doing Strixhaven. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing that. Now we're doing Fey things. Hey, now we have little owl, we have little owl friends that you can play. You can't just look at them and talk to them and be worried <laughs> that they're going to die. You can actually be one of them. Uh, I, I think that kind of stuff I would like to see more of. You guys? Uh, I'll just go ahead and throw out there that being a goth is in a phase there, Matt. Um, but <laughs> that's yeah, but not, it is in a phase, <laughs> but it is a phase for some people. Sure. Um, Honestly, though, I agree. Though I, I think I think part of the problem is that WoW. I think we forget that like WoW became so popular because it was doing things different than every other MMO or game at the time, and sort of like it was lightning in a bottle, right? It just it just struck in that particular one moment, captured, and, and it was just kind of go from there. Um, but they haven't really experimented with a whole lot over the years. It's been a lot. I mean, we talk about it. But besides changing like the 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 classes up or changing the talents up or or how things go, the story itself has been kind of I don't want to say samey because that's not that's not fair to them. Um, 
but like we talked about earlier, things follow a certain pattern. And yeah, our pre-show world, our pre-show wheel of time discussion is actually very applicable to World I, of Warcraft. Right I would now. agree. Yeah, um, but it's one of those things where like I would like to see them take more risks and try to do something a little more out there and do things that are new and exciting and different. But I also know that unfortunately the community sometimes reacts incredibly poorly to when things are uh, new and different and out there. So, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. It's kind of a damned if you do damned, if you don't situation, but yeah, I would like to see more unearth arcana style, weird, wild out there type stuff creep in and see what sticks. Cause that's essentially all that Arnold arcana does. Liz, anything you want to add to that? Um, mostly just what Matt was saying, that Unearthed Arcana is really the PTR for D&D. Because a, right now it seems like a vast majority of Unearthed Arcana winds up in the core game in a very similar format to what it was in, when it was Unearthed Arcana. So, it, I mean, like, D&D does experiment a little more than World of Warcraft. They do make these totally new worlds and explore new places, and they add a lot more new races and new things than you see in World of Warcraft. But at the same time, when it goes out in Unearthed Arcana, it's basically finished. They're getting a little feedback, but then they're releasing it in a book. That seems like almost certain at this point. Yeah, like the only real exception oh. to that was the Strixhaven... Um, some yeah. classes that were not linked to a class. And in that case, they were like, okay, we're scrapping this because it doesn't work with the, the player base is reacting negatively, say it doesn't work, and we're going to listen. But usually you're right, absolutely. All right. I think we can move on, Liz. Oh, it's my turn to read a question. Greetings, Snowseers. And I want to pause and comment that I really like this address, that we are now the Snowseers. Uh, so... So, I don't understand. Are they adding Diablo to Hearthstone? A friend of mine said that they are. How is that going to work? Is Hearthstone now a game that people play in Sanctuary? Are the various Warcraft lore figures fictional characters to the people of Westmarch or Kajistan? What's the deal? Help me. Please help me. Uh, this question is from the bunny who says they don't play WoW anymore, but when they did, it was on Airy Peak US. So we did kind of talk about this a little bit earlier. Uh, there is a Diablo hero in Mercenaries mode. It is the only non-Warcraft character in the game. And as for the rest of it, who knows? I'm loving like, the idea, though, of people hanging around in a, in a tavern in Kedjistan in between zombie attacks, playing Hearthstone. Going, God, I wish I lived in this fantastic world where people can actually <laughs> defeat the forces of evil. That'd be great. I mean, you need to chill between the zombie attacks. You need a way to relax. So maybe this could be that way. I mean, the first time we ever got to uh, the... Uh, wow, I can't even remember the name of things. My brain is just melty right now. Um, the fortress, the uh, angel fortress. Why can't I think of the name of it? Matt. Pandemonium. Pandemonium. The very first time we ever see Pandemonium, there's a nice little hearth with a fireplace and a table and chairs, and it looks inviting. So sure, maybe we just, you know, break out the Hearthstone decks and, you know, start playing there. One of them happens to be Diablo. Who knows? But I, I like the idea of, uh, we talked about it before, but like having fun games within games and having Hearthstone just be kind of the fun thing where things show up maybe occasionally. I'd be all for that. I think that'd be fun. Well, we know StarCraft exists as a game inside Overwatch. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been playing it for, like, a, apparently at least 70 years. Technically, so <laughs> does World of Warcraft. 
Yeah, because you know Blizzard World. It's true. Blizzard as a company exists in in Overwatch. Yeah. Apparently, they survived their current problems and they built an amusement. Maybe Disney did buy them. <laughs> oh, that from last things. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else really. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any actual in-story connection between the two settings. Yeah, yeah, we just and we just don't know where Hearthstone is going with this. They've never had a non-Warcraft character or a non-original character, and you know they just decided to throw Diablo in here, and we we have no idea. Are they going to keep doing this? Who knows? It's all up in the air until the game mode gets released next month, and we can actually check it out. Yeah. And probably not even then. Yeah, I, I got nothing else to add. I don't think that. Yeah, that was no, a really I, long way of saying we don't know. Yep, we don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, our next one comes from Pliskin eighty six. Um, I hope you escaped from New York. Okay. Uh, question for the podcast: I've asked before, but I don't know if it's the if it's ended up in the queue or podcast or not. Well, hey, it's on the podcast. Uh, but I haven't heard it answered on the podcast, and it's not a lore question. When will Blizzard bring on David Hayter to voice act a rogue? Uh, we have a ton of Metal Gear voice actors, and yet he is not part of the team. I I don't know. I I'm assuming that you know that they're they're not just avoiding him on purpose. It's probably just a question of you know his schedule, their schedule, or whatever. I mean, for that matter, you know he doesn't do a lot of voice acting nowadays. He writes. Uh, he writes a lot of screenplays. Like that's his main thing. I think he's he was still doing um he was do, still doing Snake in the Metal Gear games up until the last one. Yep. And then Hideo Kojima left the company entirely, and I have no idea what's going on with Metal Gear as a property. It might be dead. Or It'll just might be in a Plachinko machine, just like Resident Evil was for a long time. It's fine. Yeah. I. But at any rate, yeah, I, I don't know if David Hayter is not available. I don't know if Blizzard just simply hasn't approached him. I. I no idea. So I'm going to plug our own stuff here a little bit. Go back and listen to Lore Watch episode 200 when we had Anne show back up uh, for a wonderful one-night engagement of talking lore and working at Blizzard. Um, one of the things she talked about, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, was being able to work with voice actors and a little bit about a process about how that works. Uh, whether it's re-recording lines or whether it's finding somebody to, to actually go in and like read through the scripting and it's a really fascinating process. She talks a little bit about that. And sometimes when they write characters and I'm going to, I'm going to give the short version, uh, but she pointed out that sometimes when they write characters, they have somebody specifically in mind and you know, they, then they can go out and try to seek that person and, and see if they're willing to do the voice work for. And sometimes it just kind of happens organically where, you know, a character is made, they need voice actors done. And then they just find somebody through the casting who they have some very brilliant uh, voice casting directors um, that, you know, they find the perfect fit for that particular role. I think if something happens where they make a character that fits uh, David Hayter's personality, they would probably approach David Hayter and say, hey, do you want to do you want to do this voice for this character? Um, or, you know, maybe they just haven't yet or maybe it's not really something that's been on their radar it's not outside of the realm of possibilities, but there's also a ton of really good voice actors out there. Um, and we talk about it a lot. I know one of Liz's favorites was Darren DePaul, uh, who is just an absolute yep. sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's part of the appeal is like, he's a really <laughs> great guy. Yeah. And I mean, and there's some really phenomenal voice actors out of there that are really nice people. Like 
Um, I would love to see Sissy Jones have a more up, you know, like be in Warcraft and be like a front and center voice. She's just a fantastic human being. Um, but like, we don't, we don't know, but I do trust in their voice casting. So if, if it, if it's going to happen, I trust that it will happen at some point. And I can hear Anne giggling about it when it does, if it does. <laughs> All right. Anything, anybody wants to add anything else to that? No, I think we're good. I mean, Liz, you got anything? I got nothing. All right. Well, Liz, you're up again. Man, it keeps coming back to me. Okay. People, would you support a re-release of the original collector's edition of World of Warcraft as an anniversary release? The 20th anniversary is three years away. And this question is from Nix Kalos. And uh, yeah, when I read that 20-year thing, I was just I kind of wanted hurt. to melt into the floor. My bones hurt. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have full disclosure. That's my wife. She asked me this question all <laughs> oh. the time, and so I, I put it in there. Oh, I was going to go on this whole thing about <laughs> Nyx. Nyx, goddess personification of darkness. How dare you remind me of my mortality? <laughs> yeah. Trust me, she's feeling uh, it too. We're all feeling it. She she yeah, played the game yeah. and open. She played the game in the alpha. She yeah yeah. Every so often we look at each other and go, "My God, we've been playing this but, game a long time." I'm not gonna lie. If they were to re-release a physical collector's edition uh, special of the World of Warcraft for the anniversary, I'd snatch it up in a heartbeat. It's the only one I don't have. It's the only physical collector's edition I was never able to get my hands on. Yeah, I think she wants it for you know, the pet. Oh, I can't blame her. <laughs> don't. Don't we all? I think I would really rather have something new, like something that's not just a celebration of the original game, but something that celebrates all of the games in this giant world Blizzard has created over the past 20 years. But, uh, but so a us. collector's edition? A collector's edition would be super cool, but I think I'd rather have something new. But they could do both. Why, why not do both? Porque no los dos. They could seriously do, like, they could do a limited edition run of something like that. Like, I like when games, when companies do that sometimes, where, like, they'll release from the vault. But then you're absolutely right. Give us something new, too. Like well, I have to assume there's going to be a, three years from now, there's going to be a new expansion. It has to be. And if it's going to be on the 20th anniversary, I'm feeling like that would probably be a collector's edition for that game as well. I don't know. I, honestly, thinking about the 20th anniversary of World of Warcraft gives me the jimmies to the point where I don't, I can't come up with anything. It's just, it's like, yeah, wow, it's been 20 years. Sadness. Sad trombone music playing in the background. I don't know. Yes, I mean, been playing this game for tw when we've been playing this game for 20 years, it's going to feel like our bones are about to crumble to dust because we've been playing a single video game <laughs> for 20 years. I literally, I, I literally feel like I drank out of the, the cup at the end of uh, Last Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's really what was in the cup that Gul'dan was making you drink, is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, reminders of mortality. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else we want to add to that for uh, before we move on? I would support it mm -hmm. because I, I know my wife wants me to support it. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> support it. Uh, well done. All right. I think our next one, and we'll see how much time we have left here. Uh, but, hey, guys, love the show. Been listening since forever ago, and I just had a quick question that I wanted to ask about player housing. Could it even work in WoW? How does it work in other games? I admit I don't play a lot of other MMOs, so if there's an easy way to do this, I haven't heard about it. 
I like the idea of player housing, but I've never actually thought that much about it, what it would take uh, to make it work. How would you go about putting something like that, like player housing, or maybe even a guild hangout or something? Uh, and this is from Spice Lore from Steam Weedle. We get this a lot, and this is a topic that comes up a whole, whole lot. And I think it's been something that's happened since uh, forever ago. Um, the problem that you always run into is if a game isn't designed with player housing in mind from the beginning, it is very, very, very difficult to implement. There are some games that have done it very well. Um, I will go to Wildstar, which was uh, player housing was absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, friends of mine that used to play it, the guild that I'm with, we used to play it. We joked that the game stopped at level 14 because that's when you unlocked player housing. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 does player housing very well. Um, but they also were instanced servers. They were separate from the rest of the game and built in such a way that the game could integrate with. The one game that I know of that added player housing as an afterthought and did it okay was City of Heroes and City of Villains. And even then it was clunky. And I remember when they first released it, uh, it broke servers because it was just unexpected. You had your super hideout, your super base, or whatever you wanted to call it, for your super group or your individual, and it was difficult to implement. They finally got it working, but again, it took a whole lot of effort, and it was another instance that you traveled to, almost like going between zones. Could it happen in WoW? Yes, maybe theoretically, um, but also I always like to point out, remember every time we get like a huge patch or something like that, and Alduar breaks? I don't know how the game would handle having player housing added to it. Alduar might break again. Yogg-Saron might get legs. I'm not sure. What do you guys, do you have any opinion on that? I mean, I definitely think it'd be a big change. It's a, it'd be a big chunk of content that, as you said, the game was not originally designed to do. So, my, like, adding this on top of, you know, as has been pointed out, 20 years, almost, of game code, um, you know, it's kind of... It, it could be kind of a wobbly construction going on there. But I do think you could do it with phasing. I mean, you know, they did garrisons, and obviously garrisons were only slightly customizable, but you have this phased, and the garrisons were actually pretty relatively smooth. You would all, your everyone's garrison was in the same place, but you would phase into your garrison when you went there, and you could invite other people to your garrison. Uh, with, uh, I believe, if you were in the same party, you could all go into your garrison. I remember they changed it and, during beta, know, if, too, because they, they, they had a thing where you could open and close the gates to, like, oh. separate your instance, and they took it out because mm -hmm. it was breaking the game. Like, yeah, it, it does caused, like, seem like if you... World crashes. <laughs> I mean, even, even, like, out in the open world, there are issues with phasing, where sometimes you see people, sometimes you don't. Um... But it seems like phasing technology could make this possible, and you don't have, like, a giant area with a bunch of different houses all rendered in a specific area that the game has to handle. You just say, okay, I have this one building, and that's going to be phased, and this is your house, or this is your guild hall, and it's just one space out in the world, and you go in, and it's your own little phased instance. So it does feel like the phasing technology could handle that. But it's still a lot of tech to add to build and customize these spaces in-game. So, I mean, I think the garrison is really kind of your starting point for thinking on how this could possibly work. I think you're right. Matt? 
I have had this idea since we were working at the other place. Let us conquer and hold on to dungeons and raid dungeons. I want to be able to go to Blackwing Lair and, and, you know, when you go up to the raid portal, there's a drop down. And one of the things is enter, you know, enter your, you know, your instance and boom, it's, it's your guild hall and it's Blackwing Lair or Black, you know, Blackrock Descent or whatever, whatever places you've done. Like we want to make Black Temple your raid hangout. That's where, that is where it is. And you don't, the customization you allow is purely stuff inside. You don't customize the buildings because it's Black Temple. You know what it looks like. It looks like Black Temple. It does, there's no change that way. All the stuff you add is stuff inside. It's an instance, so you don't have to make it affect the servers themselves. And like you know, Because instances are separate servers. Like When you go into an instance, you are not on the same server as whatever like zone the, serv- the instance is found in. So that deals with that problem. Plus it makes it cool for you as a guild when you conquer something, when you defeat a raid and you kill the last boss. Now we get to claim, you know, let, to use this example, now the sanction of, of domination is our hangout. You know, we've, we've beaten Sylvanas. Now we live here. <laughs> we win and we move in just to, you know, just to show everybody just how little we think of you. We, we, pull, a, we, we pull a Frostwolf clan is what you're saying. Yes, like you know, you you move in, you you beat Nefarian, and now you move into his house. You know who gets to sit in the chair Love today? It. I get to sit in the chair. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> honestly, and and you could totally put in one of the things that would happen is you're creating a reason for people to run content. You could put in special cosmetic stuff in dungeons and so forth that you could put into your guild housing thing that is essentially a dungeon. You can alter the inside to a degree, like for instance. If you say, let's say Blackwing Lair is the one you take over, you can get rid of all those giant centrifuges and dragon corpses. Like, I don't want these here anymore. This this really isn't my aesthetic. I want to dwarf this place back up or whatever. I mean, maybe you're an orc and you're like, no, that's metal as heck. I want to keep the giant dragons. And the, the metals, the, the blood centrifuges, I mean, that just screams fun. Yeah, I want to keep that. Just, so I think that there's ways to do it that wouldn't be as impacted. But obviously... It's easy for me to say. I mean, I'm not the one who has to make this work. Uh, as as Liz pointed out, this game is running on code from like the year 2000 at this point, because that's when they started developing World of Warcraft. The year 2000. That's that's when they the first very primitive screenshots are from. If you go looking for like absolutely early dev screenshots of World of Warcraft, there's some from 2000. So 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you are asking a lot. I definitely don't think it's the kind of thing you can drop in a like mid-season patch. I think it needs to be something that is the main feature of an expansion. Whatever they do for player housing, it has to be the main feature of an expansion because it has to be like it has to be the focus of a lot of development yeah. to get it to work right. I, I don't think this is the kind of thing you can just drop on people and go. I would tend to agree, but I think that's going to do us for time. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Okay. Uh, I didn't jump on you this time. The first time in like several weeks, I haven't jumped on you. I'm sorry about doing those as previous weeks. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I want to remind everybody that, you know, we here at Blizzard Watch stand behind the employees at Blizzard and, and hope that they're 
demands are finally addressed and met. We have solidarity with them and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, thank you guys for being here with us. We appreciate you being here in the podcast and we'll be here next week. <laughs>